Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Happy Monday. Today is September 28, 2015. I'm Michelle Tache, filling in for Jeannie, and I'm here today with Dr. Michael Rice. We warmly welcome you to the show and thank you for choosing to be with us. The call-in number is 646-200-4169. So those of you listening at home, press 1 and that puts you into queue to talk with our hosts. We encourage you to call in with your comments or questions, allowing you to actively strengthen and deepen your practice. Now let's welcome Michael in support of developing our inner process of Aramaic forgiveness. Well, thank you, young lady, for being available to take care of the show for Jeannie today. We are on the road again, or still. We had an absolutely awesome weekend this weekend with a, a group of ministers, actually, 20 ministers from different churches, different denominations, and all focused on uh, typing into the ancient Aramaic process of forgiveness and still point breathing. So it was a very exciting weekend to watch uh, and to hear from people going, oh, well, now I know what that meant. Now I know what that No, I've been saying that for years. Now I know what it means, having had the Durant experience. So it was a pretty sweet weekend. Got a couple of really nice pieces of the puzzle. And right now, Jeannie and I actually just got out of a 104-degree hot tub in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We are on the way back there. We made a stop last night. And on the way to this conference, we stopped to see a 93-year-old young lady who's been around the planet 93 times. And uh, you got to hear from her on Friday on the show. And last night we stopped to meet and uh, see a, a, another student a teacher uh, that we've known for about 30 years uh, in uh, Hot Springs. So we came this morning and uh, we're actually celebrating, not exactly the right timing, but we're celebrating our 11th anniversary of meeting. Twelve. Oh, Jeannie just gave me the look and said 12th. <laughs> Here, you talk about it, sweetie. Uh it was uh, December of 2003, uh, the first time that Michael and I met face-to-face here. Uh, we actually were introduced to each other in November of that year, but first time we saw each other face-to-face was right after Christmas of 2003. So this is the first time we've been back to Hot Springs since then, so it's pretty nice to to celebrate again and uh, know how far we've come in that amount of time. So I'll give it back to Michael. Been a lot of water under the bridge since uh, since that first meeting. So, so we're here kind of retracing some of the steps at breakfast here this morning, and we're in the hot springs and getting ready to have a massage before we head back to Heartland. We're, we've got some errands to do on the way, so hopefully we'll get back there tonight. But uh, we may uh, get way late. I'm not sure. It depends how how things unfold. But if you've never been to Hot Springs, Arkansas, it's a pretty neat town, and. Uh, dozens of baths uh, that are natural hot springs that have been used for eons. The Native Americans used to come here, and then the Americans came and built buildings around it, and then they shut the buildings down, and there are only a couple of them still open, and uh, most of them are like monuments that the federal government maintains. They're empty, been empty for decades. Uh, if they were in the hands of private enterprise, they'd probably be just hopping, whaling businesses, but uh, that's not usually the way governments work, so... But anyway, it's it's good to be here and uh, and to enjoy uh, just having a little bit of time. We had a very busy weekend and uh, got a, a what I consider to be a really major new piece of the puzzle uh, this weekend. A gift from a couple of folks who uh, who made a couple of comments that opened up uh, another place of learning for me in the process. 
one of the things that you'll hear often, and this was a comment that I heard from someone early in the weekend, was all of the atrocities going on in the world and the question, how could God let that happen? And my response to that has always been, but God doesn't let that happen. God's got nothing to do with that. But I, I was taught this weekend more clearly what that, why that's true and how it works exactly. Uh, and actually it came from more specifically a second comment that was made by someone. There was a woman who, who after years of, uh, of denial and dissociation over some pretty heavy abuse, decided to delve into it, get brave, breathe, right, breathe right into it and deal with it. And after she completed her process, which was really, really heavy duty, um, one of the women who, who lives in that world of, uh, of you know, it's all God's fault or uh, made a comment about, you know, isn't it nice that God did that for you? And I didn't say anything, but as I listened to the to the instructions inside, what got clear and what was what I was given were the words a free will zone that each of us has in our minds a free will zone it's also in the context of this word called the dissociated mind the things we dissociate from the things we hide from ourselves and the things that are in the areas of our mind that we're hiding something from ourselves are our free will why do atrocities happen in the world we have free will is the creator responsible for the atrocities? In no way, shape, or form. You know, a parent raises a child, the child has free will, and they give the child everything they can give them and send the child off into the world. If that child does blessings or atrocities, is it the fault of the parent? In no way, shape, or form. Each child has free will as they grow into adults. And so we have the free will to kill ourselves. We have the free will to engage in hate and fear and rage and guilt and grief and drama and trauma, and we'll tend to attract and resonate toward others who are doing the same free will insanity, and we can create all of the atrocities that you see in the world, and the creator has no involvement whatsoever, except, of course, that the creator underlies energetically everything but it's not the creator's choice or the creator's fault. You know, it'd be like the creator's like the automobile that you get into, and it's the power, and it's the only thing that moves, but you steer it. If you steer down over the cliff, you've steered over the cliff. The, the car is not responsible. If you steer your life into trauma and drama, there was one young lady in her still point session that, uh, or after her still point sh session, shared a time when she had overdosed on drugs and how she found herself just lost in her mind and saw herself running around with all this terror and pain and rage and guilt and, and, was, and literally described herself as being in hell and had a sense of Yeshua being there just sitting back, holding the space. And it's the sort of thing that we can need to do. You know, when Yeshua said the things I do, you can do in greater, he was really talking about the fact that we can hold the space of love for each other while we're in our self-created free will zone where our insanity lies. And when we choose to give up the insanity, yes, the creator is going to be the motive power behind shifting the energy, but the responsibility lies with the individual who decides to change directions. And, the, and you go back to that story of the, uh, the woman who, who had the issue of blood for 12 years. And everybody wants to turn to Yeshua, and, you know, it was his responsibility. And Yeshua clearly, squarely tells her where the responsibility lie for her healing. He said, your faith, you're the one who made the shift that made you whole. Did the creator move the energy? Yes, but you had to make the choice. And if you haven't made the choice, then the insanity won't be the creator's fault. And if you make the choice, the healing won't be the creator's responsibility but the creator will be the motive power beneath it. And I think Jeannie's got a comment on that. Just so. The lady who had that experience, and she said that, you know, she saw Yeshua sitting there, and she was like, you know, get me out of here. And he said, I didn't put you there. So that was pretty powerful, too. So we have this free will to go the way of love, the way we're designed to go, you know, we, we are a device as humans. If you hold a newborn child, you know exactly what a human life is. And we have the free will to go in that direction. 
And we have the free will to go in other directions as well. You know, one of the things you can rest assured of, if you just look at the environment in, you'll be looking at your future. And people who walk into an environment of violence and viciousness and rage and, you know, theft and insanity, that's going to be where they tend to end up. Is it the creator's fault that exists or that that happens? No, that comes from the free will zone. And when one chooses to change direction and heal, is the creator responsible for that? No, you are. And you can change your mind anytime you want. And the ability to change your mind, you know, humans have a unique ability that no creature on the planet has. We have the ability to change our minds anytime we want. And I refer to that as grace. There is no other creature on the planet. You know, you're not going to find a pair of robins that return to your uh, your backyard, you know, in the in the winter. They're down in South Florida. You're not going to find the robins that that land in your backyard, and you're never going to hear this conversation as the male turns to the female and says, oh dear, we've been coming to this beautiful backyard in South Florida for five years now, and every year we come, we build a robin's nest. I think this year we should build an oriole model. You're never going to find a robin building an oriole's nest. Not possible. No choice. No ability to change the mind. No ability to originate something new. Yes, we are pre-programmed from our genes and from our culture to act in certain ways. But we have this beautiful faculty of grace, free will, the ability to change our minds anytime we want. And anything that we've done that is based in trauma and drama that we don't want to deal with, don't want to look at, is hidden in, again, what I was taught this past weekend is the free will zone. Creator can't touch it, can't change it. It's all up to you. And when you choose to open it and you choose to shift it, everything in your life can be shifted. The, the creator will move for you in ways you just can't imagine. And, of course, that process is called forgiveness. And we have the awesome ability. This, this, You know, when you think about how many people are living in trauma and pain and rage and guilt and strife and stress and fight, when... We we have, any one of us, even the poor among us, has the ability to do things that people have not been able to do. The richest people on the planet for thousands of years. You know, go stand in a hot shower. You know, go back 200 years ago, and prior to that, how many people do you suppose had the ability to stand in a flowing stream of hot, clean water and just enjoy a shower in the last 10,000 years. How many people do you suppose have had the opportunity to do that? Pretty much zero. Well, there might have been the odd king or queen who figured out how to create a, a heated pool of water and create a shower, but, you know, you and I can do it. You know, we can pick up a phone and we can talk to somebody on the other side of the country, the other side of the city, the other side of the world. Nobody was able to do that until just the last few decades on planet Earth. We have that privilege. I mean, what an awesome thing. We can get on an airplane and go just about anywhere in the world. Nobody in, in all the thousands of years humanity's been around, nobody's been able to do that. We get to, you know, I, I one of the big appreciations I had recently is one of the things we do is we, we do a smoothie usually every morning and sometimes at night. And uh, and just the appreciation that we can walk into a store called Sam's Club and we can buy for $10 three pounds of organic blueberries and three pounds of organic cherries and three pounds of strawberries. And we can have several bags of that in our freezer. And we can make a smoothie with this fresh frozen fruit every day. I mean, Who's had the ability to do that? We have so many awesome things to just be delighted and, and enjoy about, and yet because people don't have the tools with which to change the contents of their minds, in that world of so much, people live in rage and fear, terror and trauma, divorce and strife. How insane is the game? And that the tool that's been disappeared from the planet for so long is the tool of first century Aramaic forgiveness. Forgiveness, not having anything to do with 
I let you off the hook because there's trauma in me, but rather I have a tool with which I can go inside myself and remove any sort of trauma that's there. So if you find yourself in trauma with your children, act in forgiveness and you'll remove the trauma from your relationship with your children. If you find yourself in some sort of trauma with the person you look at in the mirror, act with first century Aramaic forgiveness and you'll free yourself of the trauma with the person you look at in the mirror. If you find yourself in trauma with your spouse, step into first century Aramaic forgiveness and free yourself of that trauma and step into the joy and the aliveness that just sits here and waits for us. I mean, we can eat foods from all over the world anytime we want. How many people today still can't do that? And through history, for thousands of years, nobody could do it. And so there are so many things to appreciate, so many things to live in gratitude for, that we invite you to consider what you do have. And, you know, the mind can look at what it doesn't have, I did a post on Facebook the other day that said, is the, is the glass half empty or half full? And the key thought was that actually it's refillable. It doesn't matter where you are. You are refillable. You are made of this awesome stuff called the presence of love. And you're designed to live there. And when your mind is doing something else, you have the opportunity to free yourself from it. Technology that, again, has not been available for thousands of years on planet Earth. It was disappeared. And you can go to our website and freely access it. Go to www.whyagain.com. And you have to scroll scroll down a little bit. In the center of the page, you'll find a bullseye. Click on the bullseye. That will give you a full set of instructions for how you can face and remove everything in your physiology, in your genes, that is unlike love and be free of it. It's an awesome, awesome tool to have and to really take in hand and put into practice in your life. It's just absolutely amazing. And so, Michelle, is Dr. Tim with us today? He's here. Well, let's say hello to the young man and see what's on his mind. Good afternoon. Well, good afternoon, sir. Have I told you lately that one of the things I, along with all the things I get to appreciate in my life, is that you're here as rock-solid support for us, and that is hugely appreciated. And, Michelle, just, you know, all the times that uh, that we can call you on a minute's notice or a day's notice or a week's notice and you jump in there and um, and, ho- and take care of the switchboard, it's uh, it's just such a blessing. Thank you both. Well, you're quite welcome and deserving, and... Uh... I feel the same gratitude for you and Michelle and the rest of the team that's there to consistently provide a space where these tools can be taught and supported and and uh in in terms of the new piece that was dropping in for you about this free will space and the idea that in different ways to answer when people say, how could God let this happen? Well, all that's happening in that is that someone's created an image in their mind about who or what God is, and then whenever life, which is far more beautiful and complex and miraculous than any human mind could comprehend, when it unfolds, differently than what they think should be happening, they say God is somehow wrong or God is evil or God is bad. And, you know, I haven't spoken about it exactly the way you just did, but for a long time I've been trying to tell people. I remember one time a woman called me and she had been working with me quite a while and got in touch with the fact that she was severely abused when she was younger. And she was crying to me on the phone after a particularly deep release in a session because she got to a different, deeper level of the pain of this tragedy. And she said, how could God let this happen? And I found myself saying to her, after a few deep breaths, well, how about you just imagine that when this was going on, God was there sitting with you, crying with you over this horrific set of events. 
that it's not God doing this to you, but that God is there loving and supporting us through these things that we do to each other, that the wounded mind or the mind in denial does to itself and others. It reminds me of the, uh, I think I've talked about this before, but there's a book called The People of the Lie by M. Scott Peck, and he was trying to figure out how do relatively normal people end up doing these horrific, evil things? And, you know, the short version of his theory about how that happens is the only way people can do harm and evil to others is when they're in pain themselves and they're refusing to deal with their pain directly. So when they're in denial, when they're denying and suppressing their pain, they project images in their mind about how other people are causing it, and that's running from their own pain. They end up trampling other human beings in the process. And often it's not intentional. They aren't aren't waking up that morning thinking, boy, I wonder who I can hurt today. And yet many tragic and abusive things happen when we run around blindfolded projecting images in our mind that other people are causing our pain. So that's my input for today. Powerful point. Powerful point. And, uh, of course, hurt people, is say hurt people, and we're here to hand people the tools, which was to literally put an end to all hurt. Actually, I got another gift out of this weekend, too. You know, back a few years ago, I, I had started a, a book called The End of Suffering, Resurrecting the Original Aramaic Yeshua the Christ. And uh, the book starts out with Yeshua speaking to a character and saying, realize they killed me twice. First they killed my body, then they killed my teaching. And uh, he goes on to say, I said, love those who hate you, do good to those who despitefully use you. But trapped as they were in the commandments of men, they could not hear my words. It's time for my words to be heeded. And he goes on to explain what he was really teaching in the Aramaic. And I had a uh, uh, publisher's representative who was very excited when I connected them at a publisher's conference about the fact that my uh, wife is happening to be, again, being self-published, had 80,000 copies out there. And he's very excited about taking on the new book and, and representing it. So I sent him uh, the first two chapters, which were completed at that time, or at least relatively complete. I don't know if they're complete yet, but uh, and I never heard from him again. He would not talk to me. He would not return phone calls. I can only assume because it was such a threat to where he lived and what he believed. So based on that, I kind of, and, and some feedback from some other people are like, that's just too much for people to take, Michael. I uh, I kind of put that book on the shelf, and uh, I, I got the message that this weekend that it's time to complete that book, to pull it back out, and uh, go back to work on it and put it out because the world is ready. The uh, the folks that we were working this this weekend were uh, were pretty uh, pretty uh, awake, aware group of folks who were about doing their work, and so it was pretty fabulous to be. Uh, with them in that setting and uh, and get the message that, okay, it's time. It's time to uh, to move that next level of first century understanding forward on a planet-wide scale. So, so now we have uh, three books in the hopper. Uh, the first one that will be completed is Why Is This Happening to Me Again, the rewrite. And so that'll be underway uh, once we, well, it's underway now, but next uh, level of it and such will be going uh, pretty quickly, and I'm hoping that probably by maybe uh, the end of January we'll be ready to uh, republish. So that's kind of my target at this point, my target plan. And so so that was another exciting piece that I got this weekend. It's the guidance to go for that. Well, you know, if people are interested, I just wanted to let them know just the other day I found and purchased three more Why Is This Happening to Me Again used on Amazon. So even though you don't have them in print or carry them with you when you're doing your presentations, they are available on Amazon, and I'm grateful for that resource. 
Yes, and of course people can go to the website, ligand.org, and download it free in any one of uh, a half a dozen or so different languages. So you're also welcome to do that. But, uh, and the uh, actually the version of the book on tape or on CD that's available is a new version uh, that is, has been edited since the original book was printed. And so the, uh, the book is available on CD on our website, on our catalog, and it's an unabridged reading. Uh, there's a character actor who uh, who plays the character, uh, Richard, and myself, and we read through the whole process. And uh, this fellow, uh, who actually was used to be Michael J's boss and was his computer teacher, former NASA computer scientist, who unfortunately about a year or so ago now, uh, his wife woke up and went away, came up, and uh, he wasn't there anymore. His uh, body was there, but he was gone. Uh, bless his heart, that was Graham Gibson. But he, aside from being a computer genius, was a uh, an actor. And so he called me one day and he said, Michael, you don't have your book on uh, CD yet, do you? I said, no. He said, well, we've got a recording studio here, and I just got the guidance that I'm supposed to play Richard, and let's get it recorded. So we did, and and uh, it's powerful because uh, actually Graham went through all kinds of, uh, of things. This is probably mm, so eight or nine years ago now. Or nine, was the book on CD out when I met you? I guess it was more than that because, gee, I've been together 12 years. And, and so it's probably 15 years ago that we did that. But anyway, that is available. It's an unabridged reading of the book, and it's available on the website. So, so it's... Uh, it's time to get it all moving to the next level, and we've actually got a big meeting this weekend at Heartland. And Terry uh, Bowling's uh, coming along with Susan, and uh, Stewart is going to be coming from uh, Colorado. And there's a young man named Scott, who's a friend of Terry's, who's going to uh, show up to be part of uh, just what the revitalization plan is going to look like. So Julie's there, and Jim. Uh, we're looking forward to maybe Matt and. Uh, Kelly uh, being part of the process. Matt and Kelly are some local folks, and Matt's taken on the uh, the task of uh, learning how to build the spouters, and so we're working on that project. So there are lots of things moving forward. And uh, all I need is another 24 hours in a day, and, man, it'll all get done quickly. Seems I won't probably get that 24 hours uh, or that extra 24 hours. It'll probably take a little longer than quickly, but we'll get it there. It's all moving forward very, very sweetly. So, Michelle, do you have anything uh, happening in the chat room for us to be aware of or anybody in the phone queue with a hand up? Our calling number, of course, is if you're on one of those stations where we don't have access to you, you can call 646-200-4169, push 1, raise a hand in the, uh, in the control panel, and Michelle will introduce you and we'll have a conversation. All right, Michael, we've got area code Eight four five on the air. Who do we have, and where are you calling from? Hello, yeah, I'm uh, Bob here in Newburgh, New York. Sixty oh, miles, sir. Yeah, no, north of uh, New York City, up here on the Hudson. Oh, I bet it's absolutely beautiful right now. You got turning leaves, have you? Uh, we have churning leaves and a lot of clouds in the sky. I don't know what that's indicative of, but if the blood moon is passed, that's even better, right? There you go. There you go. Yeah, we went out to uh, to see the eclipse last night, but uh, it was too cloudy in Hot Springs for us to see it. I have a question for you. you Great. You, you're raising quite a bit of stuff that I've been kind of uh, learning about. Uh, I just... Uh, I had to quit reading a, a, a particular book because it got too heavy for me. It's a, it must be way above my learning level, uh, Thinking and Destiny. And uh, mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard of that book, but it, it gets very heavy, very heavy stuff. A lot of esoteric right. stuff. Um, but one of the things that I'm kind of wondering about is you, you were talking about uh, Will. Yeah. Um, now, I have a particular teacher that that I have been studying with and and learning from uh, on his website and and talking to him on the phone. Um, 
he talked about willpower also, and, and you have the will. But I was always under the impression, uh, not being a real church goer, I tried it for a while, but I got tired of handing an envelope to a to a priest uh, or to a minister standing at the top of the steps. Uh, I just didn't right. appreciate that much. But I hear you. I I always thought that you were predestined, and your destiny is is uh, you at the moment. Now, the book I've been reading. Uh, kind of, I guess, means toward that same reasoning that you're already predestined. Your destiny's already been laid out for you, and you're not going to be able to change it. Now, does that mean that if I, I start thinking positive in one direction, that, and I also believe in, in, in many lifetimes. Uh, I've been here a few, more than a few times. Uh basically the same body, almost the same. But do you think you will eventually, if you, in other words, what I'm trying to get to is uh, you might wear, you might like the color red or, or green, and I, I like, uh, you know, like aqua and, and, and white. You know, everybody has different things, different cars, you know, different kind of houses and streets you live on. Now, it, your will to get off a certain kind of street will will that alter your destiny, or, or is it just a temporary thing? Well, here's my take. First of all, uh, we'll, we'll distinguish between will and willpower. Willpower, okay. my my offering would be an attribute of what we call the non-being mind. The self that's based in hostility or fear that isn't truly who we are. We've been we've been defrauded on our identity. We're not just the body that we think we are, and the way we document that for people is just hold a newborn child and experience the purity and the sweetness of the presence of the newborn child. And you gotta know that's probably not like any adult you've ever run into. There's the occasional saints around, yes, but, but not like the average person. So we, my offering is we all start out in that purity of being. And then through whatever genetic predisposition there is, and yes, there is predisposition there, and the environmental circumstances that happen, that activates those predispositions. And if we don't know who we are, we tend to get locked into that, what I call the non-being self. The self that's made of love we call being. The non-being self is a self based in hostility and fear. And so the self based in hostility or fear or the non-being self is predestined. If nobody ever goes in and interrupts the pattern structured there, that person will live and die and never know it's even lived. It will just play out whatever's there. And oftentimes it will call upon willpower. This is what I want and I'm going to get what I want when I want it and I'll force my way through no matter what I need to do to who. That's willpower. Now, being is a whole different process. Being holds the sweetness of a newborn child has a series of faculties, and one of those faculties we call will. They're referred to also, or we refer to them as the five smooth stones of David. You've got the story of David and Goliath. That non-being mind that works on willpower is Goliath, and Goliath can't be beaten. He's going to, you know, he gets on the battlefield, he's going to do what he's going to do, and nobody's going to stop him, and nobody's going to take him down. But you remember in that story, there's this little guy, David, who is representative of the being. He's a, he's a shepherd boy. You know, He sat out and looked at those, those blood moons and every other kind of moon for, for decades, having the space to, and, and it's interesting, there's a fellow named Joseph Chilton Pierce who wrote a book called Magical Child, and or actually this research may be recounted in his second book, Magical Child Matures. But he talks about what it takes to create brilliant, happy children. And the bottom line in his research is that brilliant, happy people are the people who, as, as children, had plenty of blank staring time. 
So here's David sitting out in the field with the sheep with plenty of blank staring time, which means to me has plenty of time to contact his higher faculties. David is not even big enough to wear armor, and he's going to go out and fight Goliath, and he takes five smooth stones with him. Why smooth stones? Why not ragged, jagged cutting stones? They're the ones you'd want for battle to inflict damage, right? And I've had people say, well, you know, they wouldn't fly so straight. Nah, I don't believe that. If I'm 20, 30, 40 feet away from somebody, a ragged, a jagged stone is definitely going to hit its mark just as easily as a smooth one, and it's going to inflict more damage if they were talking about physical stones and a physical being called Goliath. That's a metaphor. It's a story to teach us on a deeper level about the faculties that we have when we awaken to being. One of those faculties is will, and will is the ability to manage Goliath, to manage our own minds if we've been taught how to do that. And it's kind of like, you know, driving a car. If you take somebody and they jump in a car and they sit on the dash and they drive the car away looking out through the rearview mirror, they're going to have a lot of crashes. People who jump into their minds and just go on in their lives and nobody teaches them how their higher faculties work end up with a lot of crashes and a lot of trouble. And they go, well, I guess I'm just destined to do that because it's happened to me 87 different times with 42 different people. It happened to my father and his father and his father, so we must just be predestined to it. No, that's Goliath running the show, the pre-programmed, predestined, non-being self. But then when being steps in, and the truth of who we are with our higher faculties, and one of the primary faculties of the five smooth stones of David is choice. I can choose between the frequencies that I engage in. I can refuse to follow this frequency of rage or hatred or fear or guilt that is sown within the genes of Goliath. I can engage in true first century Aramaic forgiveness and I can go into Goliath and I can remove those things with the smooth stone of choice. And Goliath is no longer going to be conscious and run the show. But rather, with choice, I will select between frequencies and I'll choose a different life than the one I was predestined for through my physiology. So when but we how do you know contact, what the frequencies what do you know what the frequencies are? Well, you know, I mentioned Graham Gibson a little bit ago. And yeah. uh, I, I, I remember one time I uh, I had a problem. I, I bought a computer and uh, I had it shipped to me and there was a problem with it. And I spent two or three hours online with the people who sold it to me and they couldn't fix it online. So they said, send it back to me. And I sent it back and they sent it back to me ostensibly fixed. I plug it in, same problem. I called them. They try to fix it, send it back ostensibly once again they fix it. I get it back. It's exactly the same. So the people who manufactured the computer couldn't fix it. Graham was a busy guy. He had three or four businesses at a computer school. As I say, he was my son's computer teacher, and my son actually worked for him for about 15 years. And so finally, I called Graham, and I said, Graham, I'm tearing my hair out. I just can't get this computer to work. I bought it. It's new. And, and he says, well, here, just just open it up and, and go to a C prompt and type this string of commands in. I said, okay. And so I type it in, and uh, and Graham says, okay, now uh, tell me what it says. And I read it back to him. He says, okay, now type this in and hit a return. Tell me what it says. And I read a string of, of uh, letters back to him. And he says, okay, now type this in, and the computer's fixed. It's like, Graham, are you serious? I said, yeah, it's fixed, I promise you. And, and he was right, it was fixed. Now, how did Graham know how to do that? He's a NASA computer scientist. He has spent years engaging in understanding and developing the skills of working in the realm of computers. Now, you, when you think about you know, whether you've got a an IBM computer or a Mac computer, it doesn't really matter too much. Each of them has an operating system that's been in development for 60, 70 years and, and developed by geniuses. And yet, if your computer crashes or you get a virus, how much time do you anticipate you'll probably spend to free your computer of that virus so it get back, goes back to working properly? Nobody thinks of spending hours, days maybe, doing a repair on their computer. A simple operating system in development for a mere 60 years. You and I have an operating system. Our operating system, the pre-programmed, predestined self, has been in development and, and had its um, energetic patterns recorded and become part of the operating system for thousands of generations. 
And some of the people in your generations and my generations were just plain frickin' insane. They put things into this structure, this operating system, that never belonged there. If you and I want to become free of that, then we're going to have to spend the same kind of time we've spent with that simple 60-year system developed developed over 60 years by geniuses to clean it up, develop the skills and the abilities, just like Graham had, to restructure the whole system. And that's the work that we're teaching. That's what Yeshua taught 2,000 years ago. He did not come to fix it for everybody. He said, here are the tools. I'll show you how they work. Now you develop the skills, and when you've developed the skills, you will rewrite the programming in your computer. You'll remove the things that don't belong there. When you hear him saying, you must forgive from your heart the wrongs of your brother, that's not a bleeding heart statement. He's saying you're going to have to go into your own hard drive, your own unconscious, your own pre-programmed cell, and that which you use to build the picture of somebody else, your rage, your fear, your guilt, your grief, your pain, you're going to have to learn to remove that from your hard drive, from your unconscious. And when you do, you will be freed of the predisposition to move in the direction of that form of hostility or fear. But it's a skill that few people understand and few, even fewer people want to invest the time in learning to use. What we're about at Heartland and with this work is – offering the tools with which to develop those skills and then supporting people in learning to use those skills. In my experience, and I think Tim will probably back me up, I watch people who start with this work, and if they'll stick around for five to ten years, they'll really start to break through their pre-programmed self, their predestined self, and they will see that the world is their oyster and how do they want to create it instead of, being subject to that predetermined. Many people come to believe, and many teachers I've seen come to believe in predestiny because they don't know how to change the content of their own mind, so they think, oh, well, I guess this isn't changeable. That's just the way it is. It's not the way it is. If we develop the skills and the abilities, if we'll take the time. You know, we had a young lady at Heartland this uh, earlier this summer, and she had had some challenges in intimate relationships and had the sense of sexual abuse, but she'd never been sexually abused, at least that she was aware of. And when she was in a forgiveness worksheet process in the uh, the intensive that she was in, she got in touch on a deeper level with this sexual abuse energy. And so I invited her to just ask where it came from. And all of a sudden, her grandmother, who had passed away when she was very young, Her grandmother came to her and explained the horrific sexual abuse that had happened between her and her grandfather. And she was able to tap into where all of that energy came from. Now, you don't do that the first time you step in and use the forgiveness process. It's a skill that you acquire through practice and learning to decode the content of your own predestined self and remove what doesn't belong there. That's what all of our work, that's what all of our teaching is about. And, and if you do, if you go to our website, whyagain.org, and click the bullseye, that will, start, that will open a series of links that will walk you through starting to use the whole process of forgiveness, the worksheet process. And there are at least the third link down under the bullseye. There are at least 16 different radio shows. They're free MP3 downloads where we spend a full hour explaining to someone exactly how to do the forgiveness process and exactly how to begin building the skills that we're talking about building. So you believe Does that makes sense? Well, you know, I I I have some conflicting thoughts. One, I used mm-hmm. to believe that that. Uh, Everything goes through Jesus. Then, when I start studying this stuff about the universe, that Jesus is uh, about this earth, you know, and the gods are about this earth. That that there's more outside, you know, outside the earth. And mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's kind of conflicting to me, you know, when you say God. I, I'm starting to say. I'm starting to say supreme intelligence now. Yeah, I'm talking to the yeah, main guy I'm, now. I'm right? I'm in full agreement with you. There is an energy field in which we live, move, and have our being that responds to our choices or our predestined self and brings mm-hmm. to us exactly what it is that's there. That's what we live, move, and have our being in. That's what was being being. Uh, Put forward, And if you listen to Yeshua, he set out, here's how that whole 
interaction between you and what he called my father works. He said, here's how it works. Got a real simple formula for for you. Ask, that is, let a frequency pass over your mind, and you'll receive. That power will reach to every corner of the planet and bring exactly what you need. And that's how the, the that that power that resides within us, it's not some kind of, uh, you know, a man with a white beard in the sky, but it's a power that resides within us. We try to remake it in our image and likeness, but it's a power that resides within us that responds to our requests. And you can almost imagine the point at which, you know, you, you think about, you know, I started to talk about the, uh, the, the robin. You know, you can almost think about or or imagine a time when all in the world was totally subject to the will of the creator. You know, robins didn't build Orioles' nests. You know, um, salmon didn't say, I'm staying in the nice warm Pacific waters instead of going to that icy cold stream and spawning. Everything obeyed. And then you can imagine the point where that power said, you know, I got a pretty good thing going here. There's one thing I haven't given yet, and that's free will. I haven't given any creature the ability to change their minds or originate something new, and so I'm going to give it to man. And we ran off the rails, and we can get back on the rails by removing the things that don't belong, and that's the forgiveness process. It is, I believe, the most important tool on the planet. The one of the workshops I do is called Codependence to Interdependence. And in that workshop, we point out what I call the pseudo-solutions of the non-being mind. The number one pseudo-solution of the non-being mind is, if I could just figure this out. My offering to you is, you can't figure it out. But each time you come across any form of hostility or fear in you that's giving instructions to the power in which you live, move, and have your being, the supreme intelligence that's going to bring you what you're asking for. Anytime something less than love comes up, you know that doesn't belong in your life. It is something perhaps from your genes or if you believe in other lives, you brought with you from other lives. And you forgive those things, you'll be freed of them. And the game changes. And you'll develop a set of spiritual skills that allow you to become the director in concert with that supreme intelligence of your life. That's what we're created for. Yeah, I've had a, uh, all my life, I've always been afraid of the dark. And uh, I had a dream one time of a gorilla chasing me. And then I mm. started seeing seeing these shows of Bigfoot. Then I've heard people that seen Bigfoot. And then right. I'm just wondering if I have a, a destiny in the woods someplace and a Bigfoot comes up on me. <laughs> You know, and I start running because I remember that when I was very young that uh, a gorilla was chasing me. So I don't know if that's something that uh, uh, is a problem I have and it's being hidden and and that the gorilla is a representation of it or not. I'm not into psychology or anything of that sort, but, you know, it's making me wonder if, if there is a light in the darkness and and uh they both share the same space and and like you say, you know, it's your will to to change things. It and changes, that, that yes. I I think that's part of light is change instead of fear, yes. force and control of darkness. So exactly. these are the things exactly. I'm learning. Uh my teacher's been teaching me that that uh, light has taken over now, so I could just operate in the light from now on, but I still have the same fears, so I know that... My input... What's that? My input would be, my input would be, you go to whyagain.org, click on the bullseye, scroll scroll down a little bit, click on the bullseye, and that will give you a whole set of instructions, and I'd suggest you, you download the forgiveness reality management process, and do a couple of those around this uh, this experience that happened in this dream, and watch what's revealed to you. You may find yourself. Well, I just going, don't want to dropping. meet anything like that. You know what I'm saying? Right. I just well, don't want to meet remember, something like that. It scared me to death. Yep. It really yep. will. Well, so so here's the thing. Here's the thing to get creator, Bob, and that is Job gave us a really important lesson. He said, that which I feared most has come upon me. Fear is an amplifier 
that amplifies our creative process. Forgiveness is the way to go in and weaken the frequencies of fear so that I don't have to draw something to terrorize me. I can bring the part of my mind that holds terror about something, whatever that's about, you know, whether it's, you know, your appointment with Bigfoot or, you know, if there's a genetic history to it or whatever it is. But when you start engaging in the forgiveness process, here's what's happened, what happens. When your conscious mind is occupied with this terror of something happening and you realize how to collapse that picture in your mind, when you collapse that picture, which is what the forgiveness process does, it's what that worksheet is about, you drop into that part of your mind that's beneath the surface. And when you bring that part of your mind forward in the presence of love, it simply dissolves and disappears. So I now, I hit the bullseye. Is that where I was supposed to click on that bullseye you, right in the center? That's it, yes. And then the first link will give you Chapter 24 of my book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? That's about forgiveness. The second link, just take the, the first uh, worksheet that comes up at the top of the second link and print it off. That's the current worksheet. And then the third link, there are at least 16 different free MP3 radio shows that you can download or listen to on your computer, and we walk somebody step-by-step full instructions on how to use the worksheet. And so you can start listening to those shows and start, I I do some worksheets around this very core issue, and then as you utilize, as you start to use the process, and you have questions, that's what we're here for five days a week, is for you to call and say, well, Michael, I got to step three, and I just didn't know what to do. How does that work? And we're here to support you with that. Wow. And you do that, you do that, and my offering is two weeks from now you'll probably never think about Bigfoot again. Well, I hope not. <laughs> you know why? <laughs> it keeps coming up like every third or fourth day. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. like it's saying I have an appointment with you, you know. Now, <clears throat> my other teacher I've been listening to for four years now, he says they do exist and they live under the ground and that they're not part of the inner earth, but uh, they're, they're under directly under the crust, and they do exist, and that's why some people see them every once in a while. Now, well, my I input would be that if you, if you undo your fear about that uh-huh. and you have as a, an, a destiny an appointment with a Bigfoot, What's going to happen is Bigfoot's going to come over and give you a hug instead of attack you. You're not going to have to worry about it. But if you've got fear, that's what you'll draw. Because you're a creator, Bob, and you create either out of fear or out of love. What you create out of love comes to you and loves you. What you create of fear comes to you and attacks you. It's all an inside job. It's all smoke and mirrors. It's all a reflection of what we hold within us. That's why with that forgiveness process, go in and use that worksheet, you start collapsing what's happening in the surface mind, which is what first century Aramaic forgiveness does, and it drops you into the deeper hidden parts of the mind. And psychology has been pretty well established that for most people, at least 95% of their uh, mental processes are unconscious. And so that's where the power is. It's in that unconscious. So when I make the unconscious conscious and I do it in the presence of love, whatever is there that doesn't belong there, it begins to dissolve. Whatever is inconsistent with my human life simply begins to dissolve, and I'm freed of it. Interesting. Do you believe in holograms? Well, everything that you see is a hologram in your mind. That's what I thought. Okay. You know, we we look through, we look through our eyes and we think we're seeing something out there. We do not have windows to the world. Everything that we see is a picture painted on the inside of our eyeballs based on what's moving inside of us. And so two of us can why, look at the same thing, right? And be different to each of us. Absolutely. Everybody oh, okay. all the time. And and if okay. I, let, let's let's apply this to your situation. So if I paint, if I meet uh, Bigfoot, and I painted a picture on the inside of my eyeballs out of terror and fear, then what I will do with that energetic picture painted on the inside of my eyeballs is I will spray Bigfoot with my terror and fear. And Bigfoot, like any animal, is going to respond. 
when I can build a picture out of my love, out of love, when I can dissolve the hostility and fear, which is what forgiveness does, and I paint the picture of you know whoever or whatever I'm looking at that yesterday I was terrified out of. When I paint the picture on the inside of my eyeballs out of love, I'm literally spraying love on them, and they respond differently. Is that for anything? Anything. Everything. It all works exactly the same way. Everything. So you visualize. You visualize in your with your eyes closed. I guess right. The image. Uh, because I'll tell you, I see it vividly. I, I know that one day I'm going to have a meeting okay. here. So, I, I just so know start, that. I mean, you know. Start using the forgiveness worksheet process so that you come to a point of confidence and, and there will be excitement about meeting Bigfoot. And when you spray excitement on Bigfoot, you know what a, Bigfoot's going to do? He's going to be excited about seeing you. And it's going to be a reunion of sorts rather than terror and trauma. If you spray, if you build your perception of Bigfoot out of terror and trauma, and, and of course, Bigfoot could be a symbol for anything. It could be a former spouse. It could be a, you know, a, a man on the street in the dark. It could be anything. When I spray the excitement of human life and aliveness on the picture, build the, the pictures on the inside of my balls out of that and spray that energy, life responds in kind. Well, you know, I was, uh, I'm was i a Vietnam veteran, uh, Marine Corps. I was there right. in 1966 and 67. Bless you know, your heart. We, saw, we saw a lot of stuff, you know. Yeah, I, I I just can't, I, I just can't fathom how, how governments, uh, you know, can sit around and, and, and watch on TV men killing each other. Uh, I still I can't. I I I don't under, I don't understand that. And that's the way it's been ever since I guess man's been on earth. One hates the other, I guess. I'm not sure. But well actually uh, actually my input would be nobody's ever hated anybody, but people with hate in their hearts build pictures of other people out of hate and they spray their hatred on those other people and they get a like response. You know, there's a gentleman in uh, in Colorado that is a former Vietnam vet and he's working on taking these tools to combat vets to work through the trauma that that you guys were subjected to which was just insane and and literally to remove those energetic patterns from each person is the goal of this work. And to take that understanding that that's possible to every mind, heart, and being on the planet is what our work together here is all about. That's what this show is about. That's what our teaching center is about. That's what all the work we do is. Well, I hope that what you're saying is true and not deception. And and here's the beauty. Here's the beauty. You don't have to believe a word that I said. Take the tool and use it and watch what happens. It'll prove itself. All right. So you're saying I just visualize, right? No, no, no. I'm saying go to that link, the bullseye, open the link. I did. I'm looking at worksheets to print and use right now. That's what I'm looking at. So print, print that worksheet off, and then the next link down, Start listening to the radio shows where we've actually walked somebody through the worksheet process and giving, given them instructions, and those instructions are there, and walk through it. And then if there's any part of it you don't understand, pick up the phone tomorrow and ask your questions. Oh, and I'm the on meantime, the show now, to, right? My you're radio online, show? Yes, sir. You're <laughs> online. You can ask. When now I see here, it. You'll be able to download. You'll be able to download the... Uh, the archive and listen to it, and we're down to just the last few seconds. So I'm going to have to close the show out. Delightful. Let me go. You great questions. And, you do you know, what you got to do. All right. I'm going to try this out. You have questions, please. Absolutely fabulous. All right, sir. I'll look forward to hearing back from you on your results. Blessings. And everybody, we thank you for joining us and joining us. And uh, we invite you to just create the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. And uh, bring a stranger to the show tomorrow. Or if this show has been meaningful to you, download it, send it to a friend. Blessings. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie, who present the internal Aramaic process of forgiveness. 
Michael and Jeannie are here every Monday through Friday on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.yagain.com. That's www.whyagain.com. Evolving continuously.